If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my life. I thank my God in heaven to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Well, I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the ones who died who gave their life for me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Where there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston and New York to LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time to stand and see. Well, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the ones who died, who gave their life for me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Where there ain't no doubt, I love this land. God bless the USA. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the ones who died who gave their life for me and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today where there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be with all of you. This is God's word to God's people. experience kind of similar to what I'm going to tell you about when I was um, uh, in my young 20s. This is, a, this is an anecdote about a guy named Sperry, Willard Sperry. He was a pastor and he um, also was an educator. And then he became the dean of Harvard Divinity School. And 
Um, this person, Rhoda Fox, wrote a book about Sperry and talked about a story that Sperry told about himself as, as a young clergy. He was an associate on staff at a, at a church, a large church, and the senior pastor had just delivered a sermon on new discoveries in astronomy. And this young associate was kind of baffled by that, and so at the staff meeting the next week, he, he took the old man to task saying, you know, what do you think you're doing, a sermon on astronomy? Come on, you got the Gospels, you got Paul. There's, I mean, what are you doing? And the elder senior pastor said, well, hold it a second, young man. God is awesome, and the heavens and the cosmos reveal God's glory. Your understanding of God is too small. You need to expand your mind and be open to the wonders of what God really is. Bill Bryson is one of my favorite authors. He's, he's written a book about uh, walking the Appalachian Trail. I forget the name of it. He wrote a book about um, the different rooms in a home, I think it was, and it was really fascinating. Um, maybe it was called Home. I don't know, but it was just fascinating. Pantries and different things. He wrote another book that I uh, consider one of my favorite, and it's called A Short History of nearly everything. And he does a pretty good job covering the bases. And in it, he talks uh, a bit about the cosmos, the enormity of the universe, this creation in which we, we live. Uh, I invite you to um, strap on your seatbelt and think with me for just a little bit. The average distance between stars is 30 trillion miles. So let's pause for a second and think about that. Were you outside last night, looked up at the sky? If, if you live in a nice area away from all the ambient light, you can see the sky and the stars a whole lot better. But even here in Westlake in the evening, you can look up and you can see a multiple array of stars in the sky. Each one of them is 30 trillion miles from its nearest neighbor. And I think that's really amazing when we look at, up at our sky, but if you were to go to the Grand Canyon or out into the desert and look up, you would see the sky is coated in dots. And each one of them is 30 trillion miles from the nearest one. So, kind of open the cosmos in your head for a bit now, right? All those dots, 30 trillion miles from each other. The Milky Way, our home galaxy, has 100 to 400 billion of those stars. <laughs> Thank you.
Is your, is your cosmos opening up a little bit more? And you know that we are one in our galaxy. We are one of 140 billion galaxies, plus or minus. That kind of blows my mind. It gets me to be thinking about what an incredibly large, complicated, diverse, perhaps, cosmos it is that we live in. And it is God, who we believe, is the energy, the mind, the power, the spirit behind all of that. Our ideas of God are probably just a little too small, don't you think? If God's behind all of that. Bishop Willimon, a retired United Methodist bishop, wrote, God is a mystery that is utterly beyond our limited human comprehension or containment. All images of God are inadequate. All of our categories are too small. Any attempt to make God fit our values and our projects render God into little more than an idol that we have made with our own hands. Yet, this mystery reaches out to us, constantly seeks to encounter us as the Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. Today is Trinity Sunday. One of the big five, come on now. One of the big five Sundays of our faith. On Trinity Sunday, we're going to spend a little time thinking about the Trinity. I'm either going to make things a whole lot muddier for you, or perhaps uh, we'll gain a little clarity. We celebrate the transcendent God of the cosmos, of that enormous cosmos in which we live, and the God who is also as integral and intimate to us as the air that we breathe. So, when we're talking about the Trinity, we're talking about three and one, one and three, that kind of formulation, and we, we heard it in today's Scripture. That's why it was important, rather than just having Romans be read and go on talking, I wanted you to have some reference points in our Scripture where you hear the language of the Trinity already used. It's, it's put in Jesus' mouth at the end of Matthew, in which he is giving the grand commission to his disciples, and he's, he's telling them to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Then we read in Paul's letters in the Corinthians, in the beginning of First and Second Corinthians, Paul uses a two a two-fold greeting, greeting in the name of the Father and the Son. Yet then by the end of Corinthians, we hear what David read this morning as the second reading, where Paul is using the Trinitarian formula. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. This is, uh, what, 20 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension? 20 years worth of time of disciples who didn't get Jesus when Jesus was living with them. They were kind of... Uh, fluxumed by all that was going on, not really knowing how to make sense out of it, yet because of the power of the resurrection in their lives, the transformation that they experienced, they then started to say, well then, how does this work? How can there be a resurrection? Who was Jesus then? What does this Son of God business mean then? And they started to think through things he said, things he did, and logically, what would be the implications when we believe these things about Jesus? And within 20 years, the Trinity had been devised as a way to make sense, to explain Jesus as the Son of God. It's remarkable, or it's crazy. We Christians tend to think it's just pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. So, before we get too deep into the Trinity, I want to just lay out a, a, a premise for me. I think it ought to be a, one for you as well. Um, something that adds just a little bit of humility into the boldness of our statements, and that is to say that God is God. God is God, and God is going to be God regardless of what we think God is and what we think God does. God is God. And we sometimes are maybe a little bit more right or a little less right in our understanding of God. Maybe closer to the point or a little bit more obtuse in our thinkings about God. But the truth is, our thinkings about God don't create God. We may be right, we may be wrong, but God is what God is. And we're hoping that in the formulation of our faith, we're a little bit more right than wrong, a little closer than further away. When we look at the three... Um, great religions of the world, not going out towards China, but just from the Middle East. We recognize that all three of them claim that there is one God. We are all claiming there is one God. That God is God. We claim that that God is God, that all three of us are worshiping that God, all monotheistic, all out of the Abrahamic root. Yet each are making little different claims about that God. Those claims are not changing God. Those claims are the claims of that 
faith system's sense of what God is, who God is, how God is. And the Jews look towards Moses's, and we Christians look towards Jesus as the revelation of our understandings of God, and the Muslims look towards Mohammed. And the Jews have their Hebrew scriptures and the Mishnah and the Muslims have the Quran and the Hagith and we Christians have the New Testament and the patristic writings and, and we all three are trying to make sense of this one God, thinking it through, debating it against one another and within our faith traditions all trying to understand the question, who is this God that somehow has created all of this cosmos, yet also seems to care for Dane, for the sparrow, who we feel actually walks with us in our lives. What distinguishes us, one of the main and perhaps the main thing that distinguishes us from these other two Abrahamic traditions is that we understand God as Trinity and they don't. We think Trinity is the way by which to best understand God's nature, how God impacts us, how God invites us to live into what God would have us be. So Trinity is an important thing for us to get our minds around. So I'm hoping not to lose you today, but to have you walk along with me as we think a little bit about what do we mean when we say Trinity? Augustine tried to use this as a way to explain the Trinity. He said, well, just consider human thinking. You know, how, how we use our noggin. He said, well, it's, it's, there's an existence to things, there's a knowledge about things, and there's a willfulness that's a part of how we think, how we use our heads. Perhaps you woke up this morning and you went out and you, and you saw the sunrise and you said, the sun's rising, oh, this is gorgeous. You experienced through your brain what was going on in your existence and then your brain said to you, but you know what? Really, it's the earth turning, not the sun rising that I've just noticed. So your brain kind of helped your brain there a little bit. And then your brain went, oh, geez, I got to get in shower. Got to get to church or I'm going to be late. And there was a willfulness as a part of what that gray matter can do. Now, I don't know if that helps or not, but that's how Augustine back in the, what, 400s, thought might be a good way to explain uh, the Trinity. A more modern way to do that is to consider water. Water is H2O. What does that mean? That means there's two H's and one O. There's two hydrogen atoms. 
One oxygen atom, they're kind of hanging out together, and that's water. A bunch of those atoms are water, right? Now, water is water if it's like what Rachel was using today with Dane, right? This is water. It's a liquid. Now, if I were to heat that up and boil it and it's steaming up, that steam is water, right? And when you get such a headache from the sermon, you go home and you get a bourbon and you put some, <laughs> you put some ice in it, that ice is what? It's water, right? So whether it's liquid, whether it's a solid, or whether it's aerated steam, it's still water. Three, three ways in which water is not the same, but it is the same. It's water, right? Does that help a little? Here's the best one, though, I think. I think that's a good one, but here's the best one. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it about myself, but it applies to all of us. Um, I am a son. My parents are now deceased, but I am a son. Walt is a son. I grew up having a relationship to my parents, right? I... My identity those years were son. I, I might have said I was an athlete or something else, but um, I was son. Then I got married, and all of a sudden, um, yeah, I was a son, but I was also uh, a husband. And the way I interacted with my wife was a little different than the way I interacted with my parents, Right? It was still me, though, wasn't it? It was still me. But being a son was different than being a husband, and I thought differently in those different roles. I behaved differently in those different roles. And then we had two kids, and I was a dad. Son, husband, dad. And when I dealt with Stuart and Meredith, I was a little different than the way I interacted with my wife. And it's really fascinating now that they both are married and one now has a child, how that son who now has a child is seeing their dad a little bit differently. as he now realizes another role in his life. So it's, it's always Walt. It's been Walt all along, hasn't it? All these different times, it's been Walt as, as son, as husband, as dad. Three roles, three, three ways of being, three ways of expressing myself, three ways in which people experienced me. Yet still, it, was, it really was just me. Three in one, one in three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we say Father, when we say Creator, we're, we're thinking of God in that holy otherness, that transcendence, that thing, that, that way of being God that is beyond this cosmos that we talked about at the beginning of the sermon. The God behind all of that. That's the God, the Father business we're talking about. 
creator, transcendent. When we talk about spirit, we're talking about a sustaining power, a thing that is uh, somehow within us, somehow animating us, uh, prompting us, comforting us. But, it, but it's, it's a sense of internalness of the Godhead for us when we're, when we're talking about spirit. Or, or it's among us, but it's kind of like this plane. When we talk about sun, we're talking about a kind of like a hybrid, a, a connecting of the divine and the human. We're, we're talking about a bridging of this realm to the transcendent realm. We're, we're talking about a redemptive power that in our lives works through the Spirit to transform us and have us become more like we ought to be more like him, more like that uniting of divine and human. The genius of the Trinity, from our point of view, is that it affirms that God is more than us. God is more than our best thoughts, more than our emotions, God is transcendent of us. Yet, the genius of the Trinity is that it helps us to realize that God is intimate to us, that God is present, imminent, and that God, in that love that God shares for the whole cosmos and for us personally, has found a way to be with us incarnate and show us the way. I, I kind of like the Trinity. It guards us against two mistakes. So I'll say what I just said in a different way. It guards us from two mistakes. And one mistake is thinking that God is so transcendent and detached that God has nothing to do with us. Locke's prime mover, Jefferson with the deist movement, that God... God did a little experiment over in our little corner of the cosmos on Earth, got the humans going, and then kind of said, all right, go for it, guys, and walks away. You know, that kind of concept of God. The Trinity protects us from that type of thinking that God is detached from us. No, we think that God is connected to us, that God actually knows our woes and celebrates our joys. Spirit within but the Trinity also protects us from thinking that all our thoughts are God thoughts. That's how you become a maniac. You get committed. You think you're God. Sometimes we do that. We think our thoughts, our perceptions, our ways are God's ways. 
The Trinity protects us against that because we know through the Trinity that God is more than us. God is transcendent of us as well as being imminent to us. Well, okay, enough. And if you feel drawn to the bourbon, wait at least after dinner, please. With this. So I would, I would invite you to um, open your mind, to, to allow yourself to think that God is more than what you think God is right now. That there's more to God than, than you can get your brains around, and that's one of the reasons you worship God, that you bow your knee before God. You glorify God because God is more than you. So be open to the surprises and the delights that might come to you when you think that God is more than what you think. But go ahead also as you expand your mind to just be at peace because God's with you and God walks with you. And however grand and incredible God is. God takes your hand, holds your soul, walks with you. Amen.